0: Catch new episodes of Dial the Gate weekends at youtube.com dialthegate. And for the latest schedule, visit dialthegate.com. Welcome to episode 81 of Dial the Gate. My name is David Reed. Thanks so much for tuning in on this lovely Sunday. Uh, We've had uh, three shows this weekend. Sally Malcolm uh, started us off today, and then we had uh, Sue Ann Braun. And now we're bringing in the lovely Musetta Vander from Stargate SG-1. She played Sean Ock. Before we bring her in, I'd just like to let you know that uh, we are looking for more subscribers. So if you're a Stargate fan and you like content like this on YouTube, uh, it would mean a great deal if you click the like button. It really makes a difference with YouTube's algorithm and will definitely help the show grow its audience. Please also consider sharing this video with a Stargate friend. And if you want to get more uh, uh, notifications about future episodes, click the subscribe icon. If you give the bell icon a click, it will notify you the moment a new video drops and you'll get my notifications of any last minute guest changes. And this is key if you plan on watching live because these talent are working for the most part and you know they're they're back at it. So Schedules change all the time. And clips from this live stream will be released over the course of the next several uh, days on the GateWorld.net YouTube channel. As with most of our live shows with this episode, we're inviting you to uh, uh, submit your questions for Musetta. So go to uh, www.youtube.com slash dialthegate, and our moderators are standing by to take your questions. Without further ado, the guest of the hour... Sean Ock from Stargate SG1, Musetta Vander, thanks so much for joining us.
1: <laughs> well, thank you for that lovely introduction, and you are very welcome.
0: Thank you. How are you doing? How are things going?
1: Very well. I mean, it's going really well. It's uh, gorgeous weather. and I It is. Know. Yes. So I have been, uh, this morning, I went for a cycle early in the morning with my husband. We went to go have breakfast, and I'll be back, and we'll probably head down to the beach later. So I love uh, getting outdoors. As a- you can probably Absolutely. Well, <laughs> you
0: know, absolutely. I, I just ran to L. A. for uh, for work uh, last week uh, for a day, and I and I got out of the car and I was like, ah, I can't <laughs> breathe. There's so much humidity here. It's like, really? it's <laughs> like, yeah, you're by the ocean. So because <laughs> Phoenix is just so dry. I mean,
1: yeah, is, Humidity is like LA.
0: 20% sometimes. So it's just crazy there. But yeah, no, um, it's I, I love running out to that area. It's just always so beautiful.
1: Yeah, there's so many beautiful places to see. You know, it's, it's just absolutely, especially in the out of
0: doors. You know, right yeah. now, especially that's that's the time to do yeah. it is to be outside. So
1: definitely, who's this little figure
0: next to you here, to your to your right? Oh, it's my warrior.
1: This is this piece comes from somewhere. I can't remember which part of Africa. I, I got it quite a few years ago, and uh, I. I I've, collect several i used to collect several pieces of african art and when i came over many years ago that this piece came with us at the time and i remember once a feng shui master came into the house and he looked at all the masks and he goes oh you have masks and i was like is is that a bad thing he goes how long have you had them?" i go well probably about by that time probably like 15 years and goes oh good because now they follow you
0: I was like, really? Was I following
1: them before? <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> because when they have the the faces of the masks, they have certain powers, and they can cause some kind of a deviation in the and the chief flow in a house. So he was. very He was very happy to hear that I had uh, them for a long time, because now I was in charge, and and not the masks. So.
0: Wow. Well, I mean, I may need him to visit my place because I also have masks from. Uh, oh. Vietnam, and I have some from South Africa. And my kitchen is full of masks, and I almost never cook musetta. So maybe there's something too Whoa. bad. <laughs> you did it. Get
1: <laughs> them taken over up behind you. Chop <laughs> chop! <Chum, chum>. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> you are uh, South African born. Yes. My second South African of the day.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes, we're back to back.
0: Absolutely. Uh, how did you? get started in this industry? How how young were you when you realized, this is what I want to do with my life. This is something that I want to continue to explore.
1: Well, I was born into the entertainment business because my mother was a ballet teacher. So, uh, Got it. Uh, when I grew up, it was no TV, so uh, we didn't have television programs or anything like that. But when I was about, oh, I don't know how old, probably about eight or nine I had a book that I got hold of somehow and there were careers for girls and then all these like secretary whatever whatever housewife and, I was like, nah. and then I saw a picture of an actress standing on a set with all the lights and the, the microphones and I'm like, that's what I'm gonna be and it was literally it's before even tv came out I just I you know it's just in my nature right? because I grew up you know, in the entertainment business, it was just a natural progression, but it wasn't until much later that I uh, became an actor. Mm-hmm. I first was in the dance world for a long time.
0: And how did movements uh, uh, teach you about yourself and your world and, you know, the, the, your physical boundaries and, you know, how, how, did, uh, how did that expression uh, help form your identity?
1: I definitely think there's something to being in some kind of a physical activity from a very young age. It doesn't matter what it is, whether it's dancing, martial arts, something that's very active. It's not only good for the energy flow of the body. It's very good for self-confidence. It's good for your posture. It's something when the case of ballet training, it's something that lasts your entire lifetime because it's a very strict discipline and, um, you know, I do believe that you need to keep the body in motion. That anything that comes becomes stagnant tends to slow down and become toxic. So uh, I like to keep the body moving, even if it's gentle movement. And I definitely feel it gave me a, a lot more uh, confidence and assertiveness yeah. because you know it just makes you it just makes you stronger, especially if you're a performer. You're on a stage and you know you're used to that. So it does give you a little extra edge. I think it's definitely good.
0: There's something about poise. There's something about standing up straight, um, that I think I think connects to us like on a on a tadpole level almost. Where you know it there's there there is there's a self respect that's a part of it, and people also notice your posture as well, even if not con- on a conscious level. Where it's like I need to take this person a little bit more seriously. You know, know, it's
1: it's very true. It's very true. Your posture is very, very important. I mean, I do Qigong now and stuff, but Mm. I've been doing that quite a while. But there's a saying that says this exercise that I'm very, very fond of that I give to a lot of people to do. It's called standing like a tree. And the concept behind it is do nothing and everything is done, just like a tree that stands absolutely still. You, know, you can plant the seed and you come back five years later, 10 years later, this tree is growing bigger and bigger and bigger, but you never see it transforming these energies constantly between the earth and heaven energies. One day you have a giant sequoia tree. It's massive and powerful. If you drive your car into it, the tree keeps standing and the car and you are having problems. So it's that concept of keeping the body in that straight up posture, almost standing still and channeling energy is very, very powerful. And I think posture is definitely an important part of how you feel. Mm-hmm. Also, if you if you sit like this, your energy is, is you know compacted, contracted. You, you know, emotions will be affected by mm-hmm. it. As to when you open up and stand up straight,
0: and how your emotions are affected relates to how you communicate with other people, and how they feed off of that as well. You know, definitely. there is a definitely. there's an oxytocin thing going on. There's a dopamine thing going on. All these chemicals. You know, and it sounds like you're someone who is really tied to, um, vibrations, you know, we're all, we're all all feeding off of each other's ripples and sending out ripples, you know. Definitely. We
1: are all energetically connected. We are not separate at all, you know, Um, so we do affect each other's energy. Definitely. And, uh, go ahead. No, <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> yeah, I, that's what I was going to say, you know, it's like, if you think about the, the power of, of, of a smile, it yeah. has such healing properties, it, it can literally, it's literally transforms the chemical processes in the body. It yeah. makes you feel better. If you just turn your mouth up and you smile and then you try to have a fight with someone, you actually, you can't, right? And this right. is the same way. It's true. There that's are certain things that are turned off. Yeah. Yeah. So even if you're feeling bad, if you just smile, just that changes the chemistry of the body.
0: Do, do you know who Simon Sinek is? No. Okay. He's, a, he's an author who talks about, uh, uh, you know, one of, his, one of my favorite books of his is, is Start With Why. It's to find the, the, the root of why you're doing something, your motivation for something. And, you know, uh, one of the things that he talks about is uh, when you do something nice for someone else, something unexpected, you get a release of oxytocin in yourself you also release oxytocin in the other person if they also register yeah. what they what you've done. Someone observing, a third party sees you do something for someone else. They get a release of oxytocin. And so true. it's it all folds back in on itself. I think I think that's one one of the wonderful things about sci-fi and about stargate in particular is it was and I and I my listeners are tired of me of me saying this. It's chicken soup. It's it's a show that makes you look at the best parts of humanity and the darkest parts of humanity. But generally, at the end of the episode, makes you feel like, you know what, I'm going to be all right. In the long run, we've got this. We're going to be okay. And I think the the uplifting spirit of shows like Stargate are so important to the human spirit.
1: Absolutely. You know, it, 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 It's a very, very powerful medium. And I think that it's a great teacher and it really, it reflects so much of life and the lessons of life. And what we go through, even though it's taking place on another dimension, the emotional component to it is something everybody can relate to. It doesn't matter where you are and what language you speak or what country you live in. Everybody has the same emotions, you know? Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, it's really, I, 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 uh, I think it's really a powerful, powerful uh, medium filmmaking in general, you know, and Star, Star Trek and Stargate mm. and all these shows, even though they go straight out into far, far other realms of consciousness, it, it brings with it uh, uh, a hope and, and change and vibrant energy and good stuff lessons and actually it's not so far-fetched to in my opinion some of the stuff the portals and the store gates i mean you know
0: would we really fine. be surprised if some of this stuff was real no, i wouldn't be it's like well
1: i don't think it's surprising at all as a matter of fact sometimes i think oh hmm, yeah okay <laughs> absolutely <laughs> yeah
0: you're talking about a lot of this being good teachers hmm. who are some of your good teachers who are the people Ooh. who have shaped you into who you are
1: Well, I think uh, uh, your first teachers are are your parents, you know, definitely. That was definitely my greatest influence uh, growing up was my mother. And then, uh, and my father, but I think that uh, from that point on, because I didn't have, I didn't grow up with TV. My greatest teacher was nature, Morelli. I, I really think that in nature... It has such a harmonious and intelligent uh, flow that as a child for me playing was we had two rivers across our properties and mm. we would go for the safaris and imaginary voyages and you know rescue like the, the trapped princess or you know doing something. Really outrageous and unusual. We had tree houses and my friend Kiki and I would just go for these adventures to go and save something that we would dream up. So it was really a lot of my own imagination that was used in nature. And I think that was a very big uh, factor into what my interest became later. In life you know I'd never followed an in- individual I was lucky to have some really good teachers that mm. came my way because of my interests mm. especially on the more of the esoteric side of of my life uh, so yeah but nature was my first uh, and greatest and still is my favorite teacher what's what brought you to the United States well, at that time when I was living in South Africa, I was working on a, a TV show, there, like a music video show, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, it was a really unusual coincidence of events that led up to my husband at that time, who saw me on that show, and I literally bumped into him the same evening, uh, out of all the people, he was American, uh, out of all the people in the entire country. I randomly <laughs> you know, at the opening of this this show, this nightclub I had to go to represent the show. And uh, he had just seen me on TV and goes, I just saw you on TV. And I was like, yeah, sure, yeah, whatever. <laughs> anyway, he had, and, and that was it. And that's how I ended up uh, coming to America. Wow. You know, I threw him, you know, because I, at that point I just started my whole career in South Africa and, uh, and then I met him and then I came this way.
0: What are some of the roles on stage, on screen, music video, TV film, that pushed you in ways that you really didn't expect or expected, but whew, it took you to places beyond what you were expecting?
1: I think that um, the most, uh, the one that really was the most challenging for me to do was a play I did, which is one of the first plays I did called Soweto's Burning, uh, which was about an interracial relationship in South Africa during the height of apartheid. And that was a, it was the first thing I did when I came to the U.S. And we did it at a theater at the Hudson backstage. And to perform that level of emotion every night and to go through that character 's experience every night it was it really was exhausting and it was really physically challenging as far as the emotional level of it to every night perform to such an event because when you act, your body doesn't know the difference between if this is real emotion or if this is a a created or simulated event. So you physically, your body goes through these emotions. And it was sometimes exhausting just to get up after that, you know, and uh, go back to do it again and again. And there was another movie I did, which uh, um, had that same kind of level of uh, emotional uh, demand that was very challenging. Uh, It was called uh, Johnny. And it was just, it's about a mother who, who loses her child and uh, she's responsible for it and she can't get oh, over gosh. it. And the guilt she gets, she, she's texting and she has a car accident and, and, she, and she never forgives herself for that. And the emotional. You know, and the director also wanted a lot of emotion. So every day on set, there was so much emotion every day that uh, when the day off came, I was, like, literally, like, just had to lie horizontal just to, like, re- get my body back to, like, not getting sick, you know, because these you emotions.
0: can Very easily, yeah. Very you have, easily have to be careful.
1: Yo-yo. Yeah, yeah.
0: Wow. Do exploring all these characters uncover... Or help you uncover facets of yourself that you didn't expect to find. Hmm,
1: that's an interesting question. I think that the the characters that when you get hired for a job, they hire you because they see something in you that they think is the character that they're looking for. Mm. And I think we all have these parts within us. Um, you know, I think because of my uh, training as a dancer, I think when I first got into playing these villains, I don't consider myself a villain at all, really. As a matter of fact, I don't really think I'm like any of the characters that I play, you know, but I have them all within me. And when I, the first character I played that was a a villain was Lash and we were in Romania. It was this out there sci-fi character. But the minute I got that costume on and I had to, you know, you're walking around with this like, whip and leather and you are in the future in the future and it's cowboys and it's like immediately in my imagination I'm not on earth anymore yeah I am I am in this other reality it's just like when I was a kid and I'm on the play and stage and or in some show that I'm dancing in I am that character and suddenly all this stuff just comes out and goes to the next level and you're like whoa okay that went way out there you know Mm -hmm. so um Yeah, definitely. Suddenly brings things out of the depths of you, which I'm like, oh wow, okay.
0: Tell us about auditioning and getting the role for Shannock.
1: Shannock, well, that was very interesting. I remember auditioning, going in for the reading, um, and I didn't ever, you know, I have this kind of mentality. Once I go in, I give it my all. I give it my best you know a, a job my best audition and then i walk out and i just try to forget about it i don't want i don't want to know because i don't want to keep thinking about oh did i do it right dwelling on it yeah. yeah i can't dwell on it and i walk yeah. away and i just go like well if it's meant to be correct yeah you know and uh, and then i got the call and i was like oh wow that's so exciting and at that play, at that point you know um traveling with, I'm such a keen person to travel, and I had seen Stargate, and I was a huge fan of it. All so, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, to me, sci-fi is not unrealistic, okay? I know people are like, oh, no, it's like, nah. Stargate's very possible. A lot of things, very, very possible. And sometimes I think these shows imitate life, yeah. <laughs> In a, you know? you find out a lot of information you go hmm, okay maybe that's where this idea is coming from so it's to me it's not far-fetched and um yeah so when i got the call and i, I flew to vancouver I, it was super exciting for me to to be there it, it was just you know it, it, to suddenly step into the show and also that show had been going for quite a while at that point yeah that's always the most uh Nerve wracking if you step into a show that's already has a rhythm, you know. So you come in as like a one day, a, a one guest star episode, you know, to f- get into the flow, but right away. And uh, it was really funny because my first. You know, episode Peter DeLuise directed, and he's such a prankster. It was hilarious.
0: He's a great was, guy.
1: So funny, but he's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so much fun, and all the cast was and the crew. And it was so nice and so welcoming, and so it was. I really had a great time on that show.
0: Did Chris mm-hmm. help you understand who the Jaffa were as a people? Did you infer that through the script? Who who did you go to to figure out what kind of a creature this this person was?
1: Well, yeah, that's a good question. It's going back so far. I believe Chris helped me and, and explained to me who the Jafar were and, um, you know, exactly what the symbiote was and how it all works. And You know, because if you're not following the show every day, you don't, it's like it's a whole world you have to step into and recreate mm-hmm. How do I fit in? How does this work? Yeah, so I definitely did a, a bunch of research, watched some episodes, try to figure out how I would fit into this, and um, any. T- and they also very good with with guiding you, you know, and telling you like the names you know, have unusual spellings, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> it's the little things
0: that make a big difference. Yeah, you know, like who the Tokor were as a race, and you know why you know why the like the the, the mythology of the Goa'uld, you know, dated... Uh, it was retro, reverse-engineered from the feature film. But, I mean, we had, at, up until Crossroads, never had any idea that you could talk... That the Jaffa could talk to their symbiotes or at least commune with them and and hear what they were saying. And that was really, really kind of creepy.
1: Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's true. I think that... Uh, in a way, for me, it was uh, very interesting because it's like that same basic idea of a human being being able to get into the silence of the mind and hearing the intuitive voice of the of the of the heart, you know, of the mm-hmm. spirit. So, uh, not that the, I'm not talking about <laughs> Jafar being mm-hmm. that, but you know what I'm saying. And right. so, I kind of used it in that sense, you know, for the character. For me, that was the parallel, you
0: know. Were you surprised at the twists at the end? Were you aware of um, the, the twist before you got to it, reading the script all the way through? Or were you um, not expecting it to go the way it did, where Tanith was was faking all along?
1: Well, you know, when you come in on, on, a, on a guest star on one episode, you know pretty much it, you're going to get killed because <laughs> not necessarily <laughs> yeah it, it's usually it, it, it's usually, sometimes it's not and then it's like a couple unless you're becoming a regular on the show but usually you know when, when you're the guest star and they're hiring you for one episode you're either gonna die or you're gonna go away somewhere and <laughs> chances are because i usually play villains i'm always thinking well this character's probably gonna die you know and uh, sure enough she did and uh, but it makes for the drama you know, makes for the twists and the turns. So it it, it feeds the show. And, and I think that's, I mean, I would love to stay on.
0: This yeah. is true. Well, you know, and we'll talk about your second appearance, you know, an unexpected one at that in just a moment. I have had the privilege of knowing uh, Christopher, really, really getting to know him and, and spend time with with him, uh, just discovering his humanity. And if you want to talk about someone who's just Pure light and energy. Um, it is that man. I could not imagine getting trying to get trying to get through scenes with him.
1: <laughs> he was very funny, and he was a big prankster. Between him and Peter, it was just constant. I, I, I think I've told the story many, many times, and I think my I think my first scene. I don't remember if it was the one where I stepped through the portal mm-hmm. through Stargate or if it was when I was dead. It was one of those two. Oh, geez. But I, yeah, but I remember... ...corrected on all of this because we're going back a long time now. <laughs> I stepped through like, you know, and I got the things and, you know, we rehearse it and then Peter DeLuise goes, and now with fire in your loins, you look over and you see Teal'c. <laughs> <laughs> My, with a fire in my loins, I've been directed in many ways. <laughs> Nobody's ever told me to look at somebody with fire in my loins. <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah, okay.
0: Well, that <laughs> sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or when
1: I'm dead, like Christopher Judge, I'm lying like this. I'm all dead. He's got the feather. And he's like, <laughs> my nose.
0: I, I wanted to uh, see how that is. Uh, I want to jump to one of the fan questions earlier Raj wants to know what were the differences between the the uh the, the sets of SG1 and Voyager because I've heard some stories that like the the Voyager sets were like very like sp- sp- they're very aware of the internal mythology going back decades and seasons of multiple shows and and uh like a level of of intensity that I can't imagine was on the Stargate sets or was it very similar?
1: Wow. Well, you know, firstly, that's a really a specific question. When you come in, like as an actor on a show and you only coming in for one episode, you, you don't, you so concerned with doing everything that they want to make it work. You know, I, I can't, I wasn't really focusing so much on whether it was, you know, following some kind of a history with the show okay. or with the sets. I know they were beautiful and I know they were all very well done. And uh, I remember when I worked on another show on, on, uh, on a star Trek, uh, a, a friend of mine came over to visit and, they wanted to go into the main room, you know, and sit in the Oh, chair. the bridge,
0: yeah.
1: Yes, and sit in the bridge, you know. And, and I, up to that point, I hadn't even thought of taking a photo and sitting in the bridge, you know. But it was his dream to stand where the Borg regenerates. And so,
0: oh, okay, yeah. yeah. The Borg sets were standing there too, yeah. Yeah,
1: so, you know, I, I got a picture on the bridge because of him. But I, when you're in that mode of working, right. it's like you're not paying attention to those details, you're doing you are, your job. You're doing your job. Yeah. You know, they do their job amazingly well. Right. All, I have, all I have to focus on is, am I doing my job well? Am I making this character believable?
0: That makes a lot of sense. No, I mean, that, that's a fair point. If, if you're thinking about the legacy that you're impacting, I suppose not only are you not doing your job, but you, you run the risk of, of altering the work in a way that makes, it, makes you distracted. So who knows what could happen? So. yeah
1: i i you know that's like something i would didn't research really at all all i'm more important to me is the emotional uh life of the character the history of the character which mm. comes from what is the purpose of her going here you know through this stargate what does she want to achieve what's the objective and uh I know the sets are fantastic. Now looking back, I can yeah. actually when you when you when I saw this episode, you just sent it to me. It was yeah. really wild to sit back and like 20 years later look at that sh- with like a, a complete clean slate and see everything on there and and look at all the intricacies of the of the set and, and the gate and all of these things that wasn't in my frame of thinking at the time when I was shooting it.
0: It is a show that continues to withstand the test of time. Largely, um, well, the the story and the characters, a, but b, the production values are high as well. You know, yes. and they they really um, they they really have withstood uh, uh, these 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 changing eras. Since I mean, it's been like twenty, you know, how many years since that that first that that first episode that you did? Um, yeah. Crazy, crazy,
1: but crazy. And you
0: know? then you know, so you die. But then Christopher comes along, and he had he had a story by credit in season five, but his first written by is in season six, The Changeling, and I'm assuming you got a call.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I'm teeing it up for you
0: there, so get. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh, I was so excited to go back. It was like I had been waiting to go back on the show, and I was wondering how I would ever go back now that I'm dead in the show. But I know you can get resurrected in numerous Correct. ways. And I thought there'd be some interesting way that could bring me back. So uh, it was wonderful when, when I got the call to, go to work with Chris again and, and a completely different. Version of Shanok, or which I liked, and I love yeah. that kind of. I like that episode a lot because of the the complete dualism of the of of the character that he has. You know that he can't just figure out if he's in a dream or he's in the in the past, in the future, in the back and forth. You know, so uh, I like that very much. I like that show very much. I like both of them very much.
0: Well, it, it's an interesting episode because as the as the fans, we're, we're not entirely sure what's going on. Um, as Shaok, the emotional essence of her is intact, you know, in terms yeah. of her, of her love for that man, that Jaffa. Um, yeah. But she's not a Jaffa anymore. She's human. So yeah. that must have been an interesting an interesting approach. It's just like, you know what? what the script says is what I'll say. I, I imagine you approached it from a very similar emotional space, but yes. just not just not from with, with that back of your mind that okay, I'm also unearthly. That, I imagine that was just disconnected.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, for that for that character, you pretty much, you play just the, who you are as a human being right. and, and the relationship because you're not now part of some japa uh, or anything like that. You're you're a human in a normal circumstance, a normal life event. So it's yeah. all driven by the emotional component between the characters. And uh, Martin was very, very specific on how he wanted uh, the character to be so he he was very different from Peter. they were very not they were both specific, but Martin's very, very particular on exactly how uh, he wants every moment played and um, I liked it because it, it was a a change from the the Chana character who is the priestess right, you know, and uh, a very real concerned wife for her husband going through something that 's mm-hmm is he losing his mind i mean mm-hmm. you know a
0: concern i was like what's going on how do we fix this you know right and being thinking of the possibility he may be thinking that i'm just an absolute hallucination
1: by the way <laughs> by the way i am
0: but i mean <laughs> how, how does a person kind of approach that and you know those are like the scarier scarier aspects that any of us have to go through in dealing with a person who is who is unwinding you know i mean we we have All of us have have dealt with, almost all of us have dealt with family or with someone in our lives who have had Alzheimer's or dementia Mm -hmm. or some kind of, you know, at at the darkest point, schizophrenia or things like that. And for me, there's nothing scarier than losing your mind because it's like losing your soul. It's like losing your identity. Yeah. And on the the top of that, in this particular episode, he's going about to go through a, a major surgery to save his adopted father. And those are big, those are big life issues that people deal with.
1: Yes, that's really, I mean, there were a lot of things in in that episode. I mean, it was the ultimate sacrifice of selflessness, of giving a kidney for another. I mean, if somebody goes to you and says, I need your kidney, I mean, what will you do? You know, so that that's very, very deep. And I'm sure that would naturally cause a lot of anxiety in your on your own person even though you want to do the right thing that how would your body manage that right uh, you know so there's a lot of that and uh that in- plays obviously beautifully chris plays that beautifully and, yeah. and it comes uh, and that mixes in with when he flashes back to the other side and back and forth that anxiety carries through the whole episode back and forth so yeah i mean i think when when the mind is just kind of void and we don't know where we are, what we have, we lose direction. We like a, a ship bobbing on the ocean. You don't know where you're going to end up.
0: Exactly. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It was such a pleasure to have you back. And it was just one of those expected things where it's <laughs> like, you know what? Sci-fi, you can do anything. You can pull anything off. And, um, it, one of, uh, I have some, some fan, uh, uh, fans who have submitted some, some questions as well. Raj wanted to know, um, So Brad Wright has been developing uh, a fourth Stargate series um, with MGM for a while now. I've been calling it SG4, just for short. And uh, he and I are certainly interested to know, would you uh, be... Opposed to appearing in that series,
1: of course not. (laughs) All right, (laughs) I don't think anybody would be. You know, I I would love to. I mean, any any actor would want to. It's such a wonderful uh, show, and it's such so great to be part of such a a legendary franchise. You know, yes, yes, and yes. You know, (laughs) anytime, time time me out. Where do we start? (laughs) Would
0: you step through a real Stargate? Teresa asked, and if so, where? would you like it to take you?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. Hmm. I would definitely step through a real story twice. Uh, And I'm kind of like, I would be, I would, I would just let it take me wherever I would first, I think as I think, if you're at that point where you can step through stargates, you would you can probably tune into the right direction for your mm-hmm. being. And when you step through that portal or that stargate, it will put you where you are meant to be to learn your next lesson, that's or, your next experience. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's interesting. So I mean, Certainly. that that
1: that would be an intelligent you know, yeah. lie portal, right? With intelligence and vibratory qualities that you can say, you know who I am. If you feel me coming through there, take me to whatever you decide would be the right place for me to land. That would be of benefit to me or the next thing I need to learn or work on or whatever.
0: Sounds yeah. a little like Fantasy Island.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> talk about something, yeah. People Not learning really. a lesson. Yeah, <laughs> I think that, uh, all the lessons, you know, it's like in life, life is a big learning lesson. So maybe I'll take a, I'll, I'll touch the Stargate and I'll say, take me somewhere fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> I just live in bliss. That
0: mm-hmm. at least has oxygen.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's all the things I like. It's just peace and, and, and happiness and joy and love. That's where. <laughs> there you go. I don't want war and fighting. Just somewhere No, we got and, enough
0: of that here. Jeez. Yeah,
1: no. take me somewhere beautiful.
0: Eva Lipinska, tell us about uh, a little bit about your experience uh, on Hawaii 5.0. It was so great to see you there. Oh,
1: thank you, Eva. Um, well, uh, in Hawaii 5.0, first of all, when I got Hawaii 5, I was like, yeah, <laughs> first of all like Hawaii and interestingly enough uh, one of the first movies I ever did w- with my ex-husband we did a movie called Under the Hula Moon and uh, we had the the music from Hawaii 5 was part of that movie so I was familiar with Hawaii 5 before it ever became came back so when I uh, got to go to to do Hawaii 5 it was like it was a dream come true for first of all I like the fact that I played a different character from what I normally play mm. you know it's, to play a, a, a sheriff, uh, mm. to go to the islands to work—I mean, gee, you know these are the, the perks of the of the job—and uh, to work with the cast over there, which was very nice, you know. And it's such a high-end production that everything is just top-notch. Every detail, thought of the, the the level of the quality of everything is super big budget uh, for TV, and uh, it was a wonderful experience. To go and do that, uh, I always get taken away and, and I, over. Like, Come on, man! Can I not be like a good cop? You Killing. know, better
0: to have loved and lost.
1: <laughs> you know, that's how
0: I always look at it. It's like you know, when I was lucky enough to stay, uh, my dad's ex-military, and oh. uh, he's retired, and uh, lucky enough to stay on Ford Island, where just across from Pearl, where the attack took place, and it was just like these are these are experiences that you know no one can take from you. They're just so, just so awe-inspiring to be there for that history. And Hawaii is just beautiful.
1: Oh, I love Hawaii. I mean, honestly, I just absolutely love Hawaii. And, and, you know, yeah, so when I think back to stepping through that portal, I think I would definitely go somewhere where I just move on and I keep going on. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) I've learned enough lessons here on every episode I've done (laughs) and in my life. (laughs) I'm going somewhere like eternal.
0: (laughs) Kyle, the the first role I ever saw you in was uh, my favorite. So he says, uh, Sindel in Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Have you kept up with the franchise since, or know what has happened to the character? The, the new movie has just come out.
1: I know. Well, thank you, Kyle. Kyle uh, I have. Uh, well, we the people, all the actors we were in that we've all kind of kept in touch, so we still friends. Tuesday. Okay. Yeah, so actually I spoke to Sandra at the Sonia Blade in Mortal Kombat Annihilation uh, two weeks ago and said, we have to go see the new version of the movie, the new Sonia Blade, you know, it's like 20 years later. And um, I'm sure it's going to be stellar, you know, because of just the the improvements technologically Mm -hmm. and and special effects and all those things. It it looks amazing when you look at it. Um, Have we been following the franchise? Uh, yes and no because I see things coming in and I see some of the because I get alerts when like when when something goes on with mm-hmm. any of the shows and I I know that there's been I look at the new character the animated character that they've drawn and I go that kind of looks a lot like me <laughs> 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 but nobody came to me and asked me should I
0: contact my lawyer <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think that looks a lot like me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um yeah so i do i do keep up in in that sense i don't uh follow it religiously okay it's a it's quite a violent uh, it is
0: indeed yeah not everyone's cup of tea i am i yeah i I honestly i can't remember the last i was a big i was a big fan of the sega game so (laughs) i must say the which one the sega genesis game
1: going Ah, way back yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. You see I, I, I wasn't like I didn't ever like play the, the video games until I got the movie. Got and it. And I thought, Oh, I better go find out what who the Sindel is. For sure. Know? Exactly. Yeah, then, There's a whole story
0: the mythology for Mortal Kombat is like it's like like anything else, it's miles deep if you if you know where to look
1: yeah that well, very very much right it's always about it's like a mortal combat absolutely in our daily lives exactly
0: (laughs) carlos takeshi any was there any special prep involved for playing praying mantis in buffy
1: no there wasn't any special prep i think for for that uh show was one of the first seasons of buffy i uh and, and all the uh, technology was just starting, you know, with the head rotation, all of that stuff. I didn't do any special prep. I think I drew on my dance background for that character to give it that like praying mantis feel, you know, when she talk, or just the movements that she had, you know, that kind of just give it a little bit of that. So uh, that's probably the most uh, preparation I did because I, I tried it to. Give it a little bit of that influence, that insect-like feel.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: That, yeah, that's so that's creepy. that's <laughs> <laughs> you, you know that's one of those things too. Is once you get on the set and you're know, around the characters, mm. you know, and, and it, it's just organic. It just comes out of you. Like, you know, I, I believe very much in the power of words. They. It's not like I need to go and think of how I'm going to live that word. I feel it. I can feel a word, and I can given it it just has its own vibratory energy and emotional life to it. So if I'm programming a praying mantis and I've been right. looking at how to move, it's automatic for me when I, you know it's play a character.
0: It's amazing how makeup and environment can influence a performance. Like oh, you yeah. just you intuit that certain things feel a certain way and certain things are like no this this I had this idea this doesn't work once you add this ingredient,
1: yeah, you know? no, absolutely i mean absolutely like and that was for me very uh what's any any movie you really do, but like in Sindel's case you know i uh I remember when i when I got the audition and I went in to, to do the audition, how it was like out there, and it was all mm. they wanted large, they wanted big. You know, but until you go, when I finally got to London and then they brought me the wig and the costumes are made. I mean, if I look at it today, the costumes that we had at that stage, which mine was just a Lycra, a leotard, right? It wasn't like mm-hmm. any, like I look at that costume there behind you, and I'm Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's a whole thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know what I mean? It's not like right. hard armor. It's just like a little leotard. Right. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> then you are Zendel, you know, so... uh yeah, that definitely. And then, you, of course, when you're in an environment like Petra, Jordan, and you're oh seeing these yes. ancient things, I mean, I think I've told the story many times, but in case some of your viewers mm. haven't I heard it, it's when I was on that horseback, and we ride in on that horseback with Brian Thompson, and they asked me to do that scream, and that's a moment where you where things come out that you didn't know you had. For me, I was just going to do a scream. But when I leant over, like, and I screamed across that valley, suddenly it was, like, this energy surged through me, and I yelled so strongly across it that I had, like, goose flesh after it. It was, like, tingling because it reverberated through that canyon, and it was eerie. I mean, I got goose flesh. You had an
0: experience. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It it transcended your humanity. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I just pulled it in from, like, wherever, and I, I was that, and I was, I mean, the power of sound, you know, can shatter things as it is, and I was, like... There's oh, also something is very, classic,
0: yeah. <laughs> sorry, there's there's <laughs> something there's something very cosmic about Petra, too, that's just absolutely... Oh,
1: magnificent place.
0: Mind-boggling, you know?
1: Mind-boggling
0: yeah. place,
1: and, and it's so incredible, such an incredible experience to have been there.
0: Uh, meep, meep 189 what was it like working with Garrett on Voyager?
1: Garrett was a, a doll, he's super sweet, he was super kind, and he was super fun, you know? Um, our first scene we shot together was when I end up in the shuttlecraft. Oh,
0: okay. That
1: was my first scene with, with Garrett. Yeah, when I, when I land when they beat me into the shopper craft and the two are going to go on a, you know, a little trip. And uh, yeah, so all those moments you see between us is like organic. You know, we didn't rehearse it or plan it. Also on those shows, it, it moves like this, right? Very fast. And then you move, and you got all this dialogue. And I think that giggle and, and laughter was both like, "Oh my gosh, this is nerve wracking," but isn't it great? And the kind of work for the character, you know? But uh, yeah, it was. I love Garrett; super nice guy. I bump into him often when we go to these events, and conventions, and uh, a really wonderful person.
0: He's doing um, a podcast with. Um... Uh, Robert Duncan McNeil right now called the Delta Flyers and they're going through episode by episode doing commentaries
1: so I I think
0: that they're on they're on season three right now so season five is just around the corner he may be hitting you up I wouldn't be surprised
1: (laughs) I'm gonna check in and see what happens
0: absolutely yeah what a great episode that was you know I, I love that Show as a whole, as much as I love the uh, the franchise, if you can tell. Yeah, yes, uh, yes. But uh, you know, it's it, it was that was a great show because it, Harry was so by the book, and then you came in like a rock to his head, and and <laughs> with uh, this, what, what was ultimately some kind of some kind of virus in his body that forced him to behave differently, but also it it made him grow up more. You know yeah. that 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 character, you know, was forced to be in a situation where he was like, you know what, uh, I'm not who I was when I got on this ship four years ago. And that was that was a really that was a really solid episode, you know, yeah, on I, a I, number I, of it, levels.
1: Yeah, I, I think that that was a a, a wonderful uh, arc for his character. Mm. You know, from being like a g- good guy good, and breaking free and breaking rules. And I love that character because I love. I don't like having rules. I, I, I am I, I'm very independent and I, I would if I was on a Starfleet, I would probably be like, I wanna go that way and <laughs> I'm taking my own ship.
0: Yeah, let's take our our chunk of ship and head toward that nebula.
1: Let's go that exactly. Way. <laughs>
0: exactly right. So
1: it was like the subliminal uh, casting. I don't know what it is when I get it, it's like they thought she's the rebel, get her. <laughs> Absolutely. You know? And it's yeah. it was
0: an interesting episode also about this the perspective of the, the individual versus the collective. Yeah. You know, at what point does the, 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 do the interests of the collective hinder to a breaking point the, the, yeah. in, the interests of the individual? And yeah, that's, I, I, that, I episode that's... that episode addresses that.
1: That is exactly right, and I, I, I am. A, I think the independent uh, growth and spirit of whatever, where, whatever character you are, whatever human being you are, you have to have that freedom to right. grow and not be pushed into a, a collective to think like the mass. That's not. That's, in my opinion, against my nature and against what I would, you know, do as a, if I was part of a, like a collective group I would definitely be like mm-hmm.
0: <coughs> absolutely yeah. no, it's, yeah. that's the thing that I love about sci-fi is that you can tell, yeah. you can ask those questions and let yeah. the audience infer what yeah, they no, are going to infer
1: yeah you gotta you gotta you gotta grow you gotta you have so much potential in your body and in your spirit and in your soul that you need to awaken you know and I think if you stuck to the collective you might not get to be your full potential exactly
0: Vanessa can you share with us any anecdotes from when you were in New Zealand working as, is it Elenis? Uh, pronouncing that right? Yes, yes, and yes. And Zina. Yes. Greetings from Peru.
1: Whoa, hello there. Wow, Peru is I on know. bucket list, man. Just, <laughs> I hate to go up there when I go to Machu Picchu. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um. Well, from Zina. That was, a, well, I've told the story many times, but if you haven't heard it, I'll, I'll tell you the story. When I got the episode of Xena, it was right there when everybody thought the world was going to come to an end. It was 1999 going into the year 2000, and I don't know, everybody's like, going to die. And uh, so I flew to New Zealand, I got there, and we had to do our preparation for fight scenes. And so Lucy Lawless is a, a dull. And uh, so we rehearsed a fight, first shot, and it was over on Lucy and uh, this big roundhouse kick. Because I wanted to be really good, because you know I was a dancer, so I wanted like, to have that roundhouse go like, whew, you know. So, and in the process, I tore my hamstring. Oh, so, so I, I, yeah! On the first shot, I oh, tore the hamstring. No. So, yeah, so now I'm like, oh, okay. I haven't even shot the turnaround t- t- on, on my side. How am I, do I tell them? Do I not tell them? you got to tell I- them.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So I was like, I was like, I just kept going. and so You did? Yeah, we, I had, had to, but my the, the roundhouse kick became like a bent leg roundhouse kick. It was like, like that. If you actually look at the roundhouse, you'll see my foot is like flexed and I'm kicking with a bent leg, not nearly as high. But the funny anecdote from there is, like I get into these characters, just like when I gave that shriek across Petra Jordan yeah. in that thing. I became Elanus in that moment. You gave me a sword and hamstring torn or not, I'm going to go in for taking out Zena. That is it. Zena is my target. And at one point at the end the choreography is I have her down over the barrel and I have the sword like this over her neck. She looks up at me and she goes, "I'm not really Zena." <laughs> 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 and that that moment I will never forget and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry." <laughs> Because my my imagination, you're in this outfit and I have these swords, and I'm like, I don't care. My leg is blown off. I am going into Texas. Right. <laughs> yeah. There is yeah. a
0: certain point when you get so into it. it Christopher yeah. Judge told this story too. If there was there was a a later episode called uh, Italian near the end of the series, and there was a, a guest star who was kicking the crap out of him, like almost at full energy. And I mean, he was like, "This guy is tearing me up, and he had little choice but to respond in kind. There was only you know he he was asking, and it it just wasn't happening,
1: <laughs> so, so
0: you have to defend yourself,
1: yeah, you know it it, it it's like." At that moment, it, it, it's you, it, it's just an innate thing that happens when you, you have words that you don't normally say. It's like, in that moment, you become, I mean, it was all within uh, reason. Story, uh, right? Yes, yeah. yeah was, but still, yeah, another
0: like, part of your personality is taking over.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, we all have multiple, multiple different layers of the personality, you know, so. For sure. Uh, yeah, and, they, and this goes and combines and recombines in the subatomic levels of the mind. So you pull that out and you can play anything, you know? Some characters I, I don't want to go near because I don't want to have that experience or that memory, you know? I don't want to go through
0: that. At least, yeah, not again. So, there, yeah, yeah, there are certain aspects. I think that's the thing as a performer. It's like you, you go into certain places to get to explore the truth of a scene and some of the things that you uncover, it's like, uh, yeah, okay, that's a part of me. But that can go back in the drawer now.
1: You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, you've got to transform it, right? Once yeah. I pull cool that out, you transform that. Because you don't want that that to stay in the body. Right. If, if you were to play like a, a, I don't know, a serial killer or something, and every day you have to create that reality. Or, I mean, poof, you definitely want to clear that out of your uh, 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 cellular level when you're done yeah Just yeah from a state. holistic perspective it's oh, like okay this me. was that necessary, necessary for this
0: part and now it's you know that's a challenging yeah. enough I mean not to say that oh I'm going to go and kill someone you know but even thinking know. those things even, do, even dwelling on those things you know to, a, deg- right? to a degree is you know uh, there's a certain amount of, of, of healthiness in you know being aware of the yeah. darker aspects of your nature but sure. you can get sucked in you can dwell.
1: And and this is not just about acting, right? This is in life too. You sit and you dwell on some event in your life that made you upset. Correct. You hold on to that and you hold on to that and you hold on and you keep building on it. And eventually you, you know, suddenly you like have some emotional.
0: Correct. Something will give.
1: Yeah. And it affects your health of your body. Yeah. So I think that's, that's beauty of having known about uh, the energy stuff I do and the healing stuff I do because I, I, I can let go of that. I can let go of that and, and not have that carry forward in my life. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Uh, John 42, did you get bullwhip training for the Oblivion movies?
1: I did. I <laughs> had the same <laughs> trainer. about that. Yeah, I had the same trainer that Michelle had for Catwoman. So uh, that was pretty amazing. I when I got that movie and they came with the bullwhip, we would go train in the park close to my house here, and I, it was really funny because we would have the whip. You know, what I'm standing mm. and traffic's going by, and there's this girl in the middle of a park, you know, cracking <laughs> <whipping> a bullwhip, <laughs> cracking a bullwhip, and everybody's driving by, going, "What is that?" Just
0: rehearsing. <laughs> so Move along.
1: Just, you, know,
0: you, know, you know, so in the beginning when you learn about, about
1: how to use a whip, you get some nice little lashes.
0: You're like, I'm a little more careful. Yeah, that. absolutely. No, you can hurt yourself. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know? Oh, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Lorraine, I, I first saw you in Highlander. Ah. So would you rather be an immortal or like, a, or a warrior woman Jaffa in, another, hmm. in, a, in, a, in, a, in a future role?
1: I want to be an immortal. Uh. Yeah, I've died enough. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be an immortal. <laughs> yeah, they've
0: they put the white powder on my face plenty of times. I got it. That's one of the things in, in uh in Crossroads, you look dead. <laughs> <laughs> <I> do, <right?
1: laughs> they did a good job.
0: Yeah.
1: I yeah. love the makeup and the makeup and the hair it was just amazing. I loved all of that for maybe with the big hair. Exactly. Oh,
0: I love it. <laughs> <laughs> do you um Oh, I already asked that. The, okay. The, those are the the fan questions that I had submitted. Thank you so much to everyone who submitted those. And you know, Yuzetta, this this was fantastic to have you on. I have really looked forward to meeting you for a very long time. And uh one of the one of the great things about this show for me is is to not only connect with the people that uh, that I knew when the show was in production, but to but to connect with people like like you who I didn't have the the chance to to sit down with when it was first on and so it means a lot to have you on
1: oh thank you so much it was so fun to be here thank you everybody for the questions and uh i wish everybody a beautiful week ahead whatever you're going to be doing
0: uh we are going to be moving into a new phase with dial the gate in the future where i want to start oh. doing episode commentaries and i would love to have you back on uh for potentially uh, commentary for for crossroads and or the changeling
1: so we have to go
0: to those episodes, let's take a look at them in depth. Yeah. So
1: loved it.
0: thank you so much thank for taking so the much. time. I'll send thank you an me. email in a little bit, but you can go ahead and disconnect, and I'm gonna wrap up the show on this side.
1: Okay. Bye, thank everybody.
0: Bye bye now. Thank
1: you so much. Bye
0: bye. Musetta Vander, oh. Sean from Stargate SG1. Thanks so much for tuning in to Dial the Gate. My name is uh David Reed. We did three shows today, and uh yeah. I really appreciate you uh, sticking around. Our uh, We are giving away an item for the month of April. Dial the Gate has partnered with Big J Customs to give you a chance to get your very own pop figure. To enter to win these items, you're going to need to use a desktop or laptop computer. And visit dialthegate.com. Scroll down to submit trivia questions. Your trivia may be used in a future episode of Dial the Gate, either for our monthly trivia night or for a special guest to ask me in a round of trivia. There's three slots, one easy, one medium, one hard. You only need to fill one in, but you're more than welcome to submit all up to three. Um, Please note the submission form does not currently work for mobile devices. And your trivia must be received before May the 1st. If you are the lucky winner, I'll be notifying you via your email. To get your address, be sure to check out our partners' website for more Stargate related merchandise at bigjcustomsart.com. And this show is brought to you every week for free, and we do appreciate you watching. But if you want to support us further, buy yourself a t shirt. We're now offering themed swag, t-shirts, tank tops, sweatshirts, and hoodies for all ages and a variety of sizes and colors at Redbubble. Checkout is fast and easy, and you can even use your Amazon or PayPal account. Just visit dialthegate.redbubble.com. And thanks for your support. That's all the news that's fit to print. Uh, Questions for David and the show. Eva, any special plans for the 100th episode? (sighs) Boy, we are approaching that fast, aren't we? Um... So that's going to be around at this velocity. What July, somewhere around there. Um, how much did I say? I don't know if it would be one hundred, but um, there's a certain convention that's coming up digitally uh, this this uh, July. That's usually in July. Uh, But uh, there was a digital one last year, and there's going to be a digital one this year, and I'm hoping to get a place in that convention lineup and hoping to do our first cast roundtable of a certain series that we cover. Um, I have made some inquiries with certain cast members, and they have said yes, they're down to do it, so we will have to wait and see. The convention would get the digital exclusive first, um, and then Dial the Gate would air the extended, unedited version uh, for our show a little bit after that. So maybe that will line up with the 100th, if that happens at all. So we'll see. There are plans within plans at work. And that's all that we've got. I think that's everything that I've meant to hit uh, Tracy, you've done a great job the past few weeks. Summer has been uh, recovering. Um, all love to summer. Uh, Keith, Jeremy, Reese, Anthony, you guys are making the show happen. Um, I can't do all of this by myself, and you guys definitely pull it off. Gate Gabber, Linda Fury, same. Jennifer Kirby, same seas. Absolutely. We've got next weekend— We've got uh, two interviews heading your way. We usually do like one for uh, interviewer weekend, and that was this weekend. Next weekend, prosthetics, makeup artist, and founder of Master's Effects, Todd Masters. He's going to be joining us at 2 p.m. Pacific time on May the 2nd. Uh, Two hours before him, I went in reverse, two hours before him at 12 p.m. Pacific time, May the 2nd, Stargate Film Composer. Legendary composer, in my opinion, David Arnold who's going to be joining us from the UK uh, to discuss primarily discuss his uh, 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 Stargate uh, feature film score. I have loved this score since I saw the movie in in the late nineties, and I think you know Joel did some amazing stuff with it in the show. I I don't think anyone but Joel Goldsmith could have done the series. So much of what Joel used as a springboard for the show Uh, certainly the theme itself the the core theme was the stargate feature film theme and so we're going to have david on to discuss that very excited about that interview hope you can uh, join us for both david arnold and todd masters hoping to get robert c cooper rescheduled in the next couple of weeks here for uh, a deeper dive into the production of stargate atlantis particularly the pilot episode that's everything that we have I really appreciate you tuning in and helping make the show possible. 81 episodes. Let's proceed on to that uh, uh, previously mentioned 100. You know, just a little bit of uh, more, (laughs) a little bit of time, and we'll be there. My name is David Reed for Dial the Gate. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll see you on the other side. Dial the Gate is hosted and executive produced by David Reed. The producer is Darren Sumner, co produced by Linda Fury. The composer is Neil Acree. Animations by Bryce Orrs. The production assistant is Jennifer Kirby. Moderators include Summer Roy, Keith Homel, Tracy Noller, Jeremy Heiner, Reese M., and Anthony Rowling. Logo design by Deborah J. Bell. Additional effects by Thomas Tots, with contributions by model makers Chris Baker, Stephen Barr, Kevin Zabo, and Tom Paris. The archivists are Linda Fury, Zachary Adams, and Fred Eric Marcoux. For general inquiries for submissions, please contact us at dialthegateshow at gmail.com. Visit our website for the upcoming schedule, as well as an archive of our past episodes at dialthegate.com.